Hello, welcome, welcome to Silver Edge, Silver Screen. It's it's a podcast, superhero movie. Uh, Riley Thorpe with me. I'm Casey. I'm Casey Jarms. Riley. Right, right, right. How's it going, Casey? So, I don't know if you guys know this, but we record these episodes about two weeks in advance. Uh-huh. And uh, as of the filming of this right now, last week, Thursday, was the Disney Investors Meeting, in which Disney announced a shit ton of new upcoming projects and a bunch of details about already announced projects. We are apparently getting roughly 15 live-action Disney Pixar TV shows and movies that are going to Disney Plus within the next few years. WandaVision looks nice. Yeah, we got a bunch of Marvel and Star Wars details, and a bunch of new TV shows and movies. Captain Marvel 2 mm-hmm. uh, and Ant-Man and the Wasp 3 were, like, officially announced to be in development. Kang's the, Kang's the, con- the Conqueror. Yeah. Yep, and we got a bunch of new information about Hawkeye, She-Hulk, and Moon Knight. We also got new information on Ms. Marvel. They announced that Nick Fury's show is going to be entitled Secret Invasion, so it's going to be tackling that classic Marvel comic storyline. We are getting an Ironheart TV show, Armor Wars, which is following Colonel James Rhodes. We're getting two Guardians of the Galaxy properties. Uh, No details on Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but we are getting a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special Yay. and a TV show called I Am Groot which is going to be an oh, anthology following Baby Groot it was officially announced that Christian Bale was going to be playing Gore the God Butcher in Thor Love and Thunder and we are officially getting Fantastic Four in the MCU we also got another trailer to WandaVision which looked really great we got a tr- an official trailer to Falcon and the Winter Soldier which I'm super interested in I like that trailer and I like those characters we got a Loki trailer. Now, in terms of Star Wars, we are getting two spinoffs of The Mandalorian. We're also getting an Andor show. Andor is Diego Luna's character from Rogue One. We got some official details from the Obi-Wan Kenobi show, and Hayden Christensen will be reprising his role as Darth Vader. I like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, don't we all? Patty Jenkins, who most recently did the two Wonder Woman films, uh, will be directing a Star Wars... Wars Rogue Squadron show. It's about the fighter pilots. It was confirmed that The Mandalorian is greenlit for seasons three and four. And in terms of animations, we are getting Star Wars Visions, which is going to be an anthology show in the style of Japanese animation. Just different stories from around the Star Wars universe. Uh, we're getting a Clone Wars spinoff called The Bad Batch, which if you've seen season seven of The Clone Wars, you'll recognize these characters. We're also getting The Acolyte, which is from from what I understand, an animated show based on the time period called the High Republic, which is about the Jedi before they became pawns to a corrupt government, all that good stuff. So yeah, we got announced all those incredible new shows and movies coming out, and I'm going to tell you something right now. This is going to be a great few years to be a nerd. But you want to know what wasn't a great time to be a nerd? November 1978, when the fucking Star Wars Holiday Special was released on CBS. Then that is what we will be reviewing for you all today. Why did we do this? Now, Casey, you seem a little down. Why is that? Oh, uh, it's, it's, it's just that I watched the Star Wars holiday special 
And it was so overwhelmingly uncomparably dull that my brain, in an effort to save to save my sanity, it just shut down, and now now I can no longer feel emotions or think complex thoughts. Hold on, I'm just gonna slap myself in the face to get out of this. Well, actual real slap for the fully work. But yeah, Star Wars Holiday Special. We watched this. Why did we watch this? I have heard so much about this special before I actually watched it for the sake of this podcast. And I had heard so many people just talking about how infamously horrible this is. And oh my god, I was still not prepared for the just sheer pile of shit this is. You know, Riley, Oh my god. I've got a bone to pick with you. Two months ago, we it was oct- middle of October, we, we realized, oh crap, we didn't do any horror movies in October. I know, let's do some movies in December for Christmas. Let's do Die Hard, let's do Batman Returns, let's talk about Santa Claus being evil in the Marvel Universe. And you know what I said to you? I said, hey, it would be funny if we did the Star Wars Holiday Special. And you know what you said, Riley? Oh yeah, sure, let's do that, why not? Oh god, why did you follow me down this path? Why didn't you talk me out of this? Because I like causing pain. You understand that? (laughs) I don't know, maybe I hate myself. Maybe I want everyone to suffer as much as I suffer on a daily basis. So yeah, the Star Wars Holiday Special, released officially only once in 1978. It came out right after A New Hope. It features the main cast of A New Hope, barely. And you know, looking at this poster, uh, we got a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Maybe it'll be good. There's starships and the Death Star and the cast looking all threatening. Han's got a gun. You know, maybe this special won't be bad. And like the first two minutes of this special actually aren't too bad. They're like a space battle taken straight from A New Hope. And we see Han and Chewie in the Millennium Falcon. Like, oh God, we gotta get away from these Imperials so we can get home to your planet, Kazook, for Christmas. Or excuse me, Life Day. So maybe this will be good, you know, a sort of plane strains automobile thing about Han and Chewbacca trying to get home for Christmas. That could work, right? Yeah, I mean, on, on paper, that sounds like it'd be a great idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, we don't see Han and Chewie after that for like an hour and 20 minutes. No, no, this movie is not about the cast of A New Hope. It's about Chewbacca's family! His family named Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy. Two of the three names are symptoms of genital warts. Do you understand how bad that is? To have three new characters introduced to this universe, all in one movie, and over half of them are named after venereal diseases? Like what? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's for whatever reason. It's some sort of bullshit Akira random names. Chewbacca's family are named after things that happen when you get stung by mosquitoes, right? Valeria itchiness lumps i don't even know and you know their names are actually like shortened versions of something like you know how we all say chewy instead of chewbacca it's like mala lumpy and itchy have like longer names but i didn't bother malatabuck yes Ach-it-cuck. 
Wumpawaru. And that's like people afterwards trying to salvage these characters. They're just called Ichimala and Lumpy in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I heard of those names and I just didn't bother to write them down because who the fuck cares? <laughs> but the thing about this special is George Lucas has stated that if he had the time, money, and effort to collect every single copy of it and destroy it with a sledgehammer, he would. You understand the magnitude of that situation? The man that produced the Howard the Duck movie, the man that said yes to Jar Jar Binks as a character, the man that wrote the line, I don't like sand, it's coarse and rough and it gets everywhere. The man that said yes to all of that says that he is personally ashamed of this film that we watched for you, our fans. So be grateful for that. So uh, a little personal story about this is um, for some reason, I don't know why, but I had gotten it into my head before watching this that it was at most like 45 minutes. I don't know why, I, I don't no. know how I thought that or what happened to get that into my head, but I thought it was like, oh yeah, like an hour-long special, maybe like 15 minutes of commercial breaks. Yeah, 45 minutes, no big deal. No, no, this is 98 minutes long. This is a feature film. It's twice as long as I thought it was going to be, and good God does it show. Most of this film is focused on Chewbacca's family, his wife, son, and father. Also, side note... Chewbacca's kind of a bad dad. Like, does he ever visit his... Like, I guess he's going home for Christmas, but dude's, like, out smuggling, hanging out in Moe's Isley Cantina all the time. Chewbacca's a bit of a shitty father. Yeah, I know. When they started doing that hilariously bad intro with the narrator going, <laughs> like, this is the Star Wars holiday special, and then, like, the shitty pseudo ripoff text crawl that they do that's in the wrong font, and it doesn't even crawl, it's just text on the screen... But like, yeah, I, when they said Chewbacca's wife, Mala, I actually burst out laughing because I'm like, since when does Chewbacca, since when is he married and have a kid? Like, what? <laughs> well, since 1978, actually, because this special introduced them and then Star Wars has always just had to keep this special kind of canon. Also, one thing about that opening text crawl, it's so hilarious. It's just saying, like, all the actors from the original who are barely in this movie. And it's like, Mark Hamill is Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford is Han Solo. R2-D2 as R2-D2. Because <laughs> Kenny Baker, the puppeteer for R2-D2. Not Vern Schroyer, like you said in the Harry Potter one. Kenny Baker didn't want to be in this one, so R2-D2 doesn't move. Actually, I believe it was Warwick. It is Kenny Baker. <laughs> Stop mixing up people with dwarfism. I looked it up. I thought it was Warwick Davis. Whatever. Let's just get right into it. It starts up right in the middle of an action scene. Han Solo and Chewbacca are in the Millennium Falcon trying to escape these Star Destroyers. And right out the gate, you can tell they clearly reused a lot of clips from the movie in this special. The intention, I'm sure, was to up the cinematic value of it. But if you have eyes like you and I do, Casey, you can immediately tell the juxtaposition of this 
feature film budget, special effects, and then it cuts to Chewbacca and Han Solo in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and it's just this cheap rip-off imitation of it right out the gate. It's like, okay, I'm looking at this high-budget stuff, and then I'm looking at this super cheap. It just makes the cheap stuff look ever the more bad. Mm-hmm. Also, think about the uh, reusing of footage. Darth Vader doesn't really appear in this special. It's like a redubbed scene from A New Hope. They just changed James Earl Jones's voiceover. And okay, that's fine. But anyway, the guy he's talking to in that scene where he's like, we have to go after Han and Chewbacca. Like the guy he talks to in that scene is a character from A New Hope who died. <laughs> the Star Wars fandom, I have a lot of negative things to say about the Star Wars fandom. Their attention to detail and the sheer depth of research they've put in online is astounding. There's a character on Wikipedia who is just unnamed person who looks like that guy from A New Hope. Possibly clone? But yeah, kind of cool opening. Then it cuts to Kazook. Not Kashyyyk, by the way. They call it Kazook in this film for some reason. I don't know why. But we cut to Kazook at Chewbacca's house. And we get like 12 minutes of his family just going around, having suburban life, completely unsubtitled, just doing Wookiee roars. Yeah, they're just growling at each other all throughout the movie. It's like, you can't understand what they're saying. They're just growling at each other. Yeah. The funny thing about that set is it doesn't look like a Star Wars set. It looks like a sitcom from the 70s. Exactly. It doesn't look like Star Wars. There's there's a kitchen. There's a living room. There's a bedroom. It's like, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It just feels like some shitty, like you said, a sitcom from the 70s. It's so ridiculous. And a lot of people have harped on the special for, oh god, it's just Chewbacca's family without subtitles. Yeah, this this wouldn't be good with subtitles, though, because, A, their growls are so horribly grating. Like, Chewbacca only occasionally makes noise, which is good. His family, they sound awful, just like, ah! Like, every sentence. But even if it had subtitles, it still wouldn't be good, because it's just boring. It's just them going about their day, preparing for the holidays. Chewbacca's son gets asked to take the trash out in Wookiee's. Okay, sure, that's interesting. By the way, as we get to see Chewbacca's family, we see Chewbacca's wife in the kitchen preparing food, and she turns on a cooking show. And that's when we learn what this special really is. The stuff with Chewbacca's family is the framing device for a variety show that's just a bunch of random, none of them good clips. It's a movie about Wookiees watching TV, and the shows they watch aren't good. You know, we normally do these like we go through the movie in order, like, okay, and this happens, and this happens, and that's good slash bad, whatever. I don't think we should do that in this. I think we should just, the overarching plot line, and then go through all the segments and say if they're good or bad. Thoughts on that? Agreed. So Mala is cooking the meal for Life Day, which, side note, they never explain what Life Day is. It's the Paul Day where you put on Snuggies and walk into the magic godlight. Okay, fine. (laughs) And Chewbacca's gotta be there because reasons. 
He's busy fighting a war, but gotta be home for snuggy time. But yeah, she puts on this cooking channel, and there's like a cross-dressing alien with four arms teaching her how to cook Bantha Surprise. And the alien's just, just saying, stir, 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 whip, stir, whip, stir, whip, for the entire thing. And here's the thing about all of these skits. Like, they obviously they try to do a variety show style, but all of the skits are painfully unfunny and not entertaining in the slightest and it's it's a lot like saturday night live yeah. have you seen saturday night live these days it's fucking horrible oh no this is nothing near saturday night live this is like saturday night live if they went through all 40 whatever years and picked out the 10 worst sketches and then just rewrote them to be worse Exactly. This is worse than Saturday Night Live has ever been. But it's like the skits, they're cringy and unfunny, and they go on for like five minutes too long. That's only a slight exaggeration. Like five minutes is a little too long, but like, I don't know, maybe three minutes. Every single one of them just goes on. It's unfunny from the get-go, and then it just continues and continues and goes on, and then it just sort of ends on a nothing note. Like, the cooking skit, it goes on for so long, and then just ends because that's the end of the skit like what even is the joke the joke is that oops this four-armed alien is telling mala how to cook but she can't keep up because she doesn't have four arms and that's the whole skit like it's not an actually useful cooking show because it's not real food it doesn't work because it's just the same joke and it's not a funny joke like i'm reminded of the show welcome to night fair where there's a running skit with will wheaton's character who's like a chef just describing how to cook and the joke is all of his recipes are toxic and feature alien ingredients or regular ingredients that are somehow poisonous in this universe that is kind of funny but this cooking segment it's just Okay, take this meat and then cook it. <laughs> also, Harvey Corman is wearing blackface during the whole thing, and it's, oh boy, that's uncomfortable. This entire thing feels like they got all of the worst writers on the show Family Guy. Like, the entire history of that show, they picked the worst writers, got him into a room with Tommy Wiseau, and said, we want you to make the worst possible episode of Star Trek imaginable. <laughs> Not Star Wars, Star Trek. <laughs> and they, like, purposefully made it as bad as possible. The level of intellect they put into making this as bad as possible is actually quite high. That's what this entire thing feels like. Just bad writers making, not Star Wars, just sci-fi shit. We've talked about the cooking. What are some of the other segments? Any that stood out to you? Any you liked? Uh, any that I liked? No, not really. The first one I was convinced was going to be the worst one, but I was painfully made aware that it's not going to be, it's not the worst one. In order to keep Lumpy occupied, they put on this hologram show for him, and it's like this weird Cirque du Soleil circus act where they're acrobatics, there's trumpets playing, and they're like juggling, and they're all wearing like neon outfits, and there's just this obnoxious synth shriek of a noise playing the entire time and Lumpy's just looking at this in sheer awe yeah or at least what I assume is awe and it just goes on and on like just this grating music with all this not even that impressive acrobatics okay setting aside the fact that why is this in a Star Wars thing right okay your variety show is going to feature a Cirque du Soleil 
Act. And actually, I did look it up. Those are like Cirque du Soleil performers. Okay, a Cirque du Soleil Act. Now, what if they were really tiny and everything was blurry and neon? And also, there's a giant, ugly Wookiee staring at them and during all of it? Like... Why? I don't even understand. You know what I actually thought was the absolute best segment? There's a segment where partway through the movie, some like Imperials are raiding the house and like looking around and they come to a TV and they're like, hey, what's this? And they turn it on and then a Jefferson Starship music video plays and they just watch it apparently in the middle of their search. And that is the best part of the movie where it just becomes a Jefferson Starship music video because I mean, it's a music video. You can check your phone. You don't have to watch the movie anymore. The plot of this movie is Han Solo and Chewbacca are trying to get home to Kazoo, not Kashyyyk, Kazoo, to celebrate Life Day. And his family's just living life, doing their thing, when Imperial troopers show up and search the house looking for Chewbacca because he's heavily involved in the rebellion, obviously. And while they're searching, they're just watching videos. There's another character in this who brings, like, electronic gifts to the Wookiees, and he takes one of them and plays it for one of the Imperial troopers and it's the Jefferson Starship music video but he takes like a good 30 seconds messing with it just trying to set it up and it's meant to be comedy but it's not funny it's not funny at all he's just like setting it up like messing with it giving it weird faces like oh this isn't working even the trooper is like slams the table and just like just put it on yeah also side note can we talk about the implications of this jefferson starship which is a real band exists in the star wars universe apparently they've been around since the dawn of time they're a multiversal concept yeah. Also, does that mean Jefferson Airplane also exists in the Star Wars universe? Probably. What about other rock bands? Do 70s and 80s rock bands just exist in a galaxy far, far away? I like to think so. Here's the thing. I have nothing against the Jefferson Starship. I like a few of their songs. I have no strong feelings towards them whatsoever. I didn't think they even performed that well. To be perfectly honest with you, I didn't like the song they were playing. I thought they did a bad job. Like, wh what? What? <laughs> Throughout the movie, Mala and Itchy, they are just moving the walls and cabinets in their house. They have like 18 computers where they get to like have Skype calls with the other characters. And that's how we get the other actors in this. They call Luke Skywalker on the rebel base to see if Chewbacca is on his way. And obviously Mark Hamill had been in a pretty serious car accident earlier that year. Yeah, he like busted up his cheeks and nose and that's why at the start of Empire they have him get the shit beat out of him by the yeah. big Yeti dude. Like, so they can't explain, oh, he's banged up because of that. But this film, oh God. The reason why I bring it up is because they fucking caked on the makeup for him. He looks like a fucking plastic Ken doll. Like, I don't know if you noticed, Casey, but he looked like he was under an inch of makeup. Yeah. Also, when the Wookiees call Luke, he can, like, understand them. But later in the film, they show him having to take C-3PO with him because he can't speak to Chewbacca. Yeah. Man, they went over this script a lot of times. Oh, right. And that was another thing that made me actually do a double take. I'm like, do the other characters know, understand Chewbacca? Luke can't understand him for half the movie. Leia doesn't understand what they're saying. But it's like, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen the movies for a while. It never occurred to me that Luke and Leia 
just could not understand what Chewbacca was saying. But in this show, they're like, oh no, put Chewbacca on the phone. Let me talk to him so I can understand what you're saying. So they can understand Chewbacca, but they can't understand his family? Again, script. Fuck. Other segments in this. Ooh, want to talk about the infamous Chewbacca's dad watches porn scene? Yeah, let's talk about the porn scene. <laughs> we're kind of exaggerating, but we're also not. Like, in the script, it's like written out that this is actually supposed to be a scene where Chewbacca's dad watches porn, but obviously it isn't as direct because this aired on CBS. He, like, puts on this VR helmet, and it's just a tape of this woman whispering to him saying like i am your greatest fantasy you will experience pleasure while he's just <laughs> here's the thing again like i said i heard so much about this and i had heard there there was an episode a clip where chewbacca's dad watches porn and i thought that that was an exaggeration like i thought that was just some meme people were saying no he at one point goes into a vr and then imagines this very attractive woman in relatively revealing clothes and she says verb I am your fantasy. I am your pleasure. And she's like moaning and groaning and then she starts singing. I'm like, this is straight up the beginning of a porno in Star Wars. Why? You want to make a Star Wars themed variety show for CBS? Okay. Who had this idea? Wh why? Whose idea was it to have Chewbacca's dad masturbate in the living room? I don't understand how this was made. The entire time, they had a close-up on his head, and I was just telling myself, like, what, what, what's he doing with his hands? What, what is he doing with his hands? Oh god, he never wears pants. I just realized. That was another thing I noticed. This show is just really creepy. Like, Chewbacca's dad in particular, the design they gave him, he has this wrinkly underbite that just, uh, he's so creepy. And then he watches porn in the living room with his daughter-in-law in the kitchen cooking food and then his grandson presumably upstairs in his room. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. And you kind of got into it. The Wookiees are fucking ugly in this. Yeah. I don't know who made these costumes, but they do not do as good of a job as they did in A New Hope. Man, Chewbacca must be the most handsome of his species, because his dad has the biggest underbite, and his son has these beady, bulging eyes that stare into your soul and a really weird hairline. Yeah, it's just so bizarre. Like, how do you take Star Wars and just say, you know what's going to be a great scene? Having a creepy old alien just watching porn in broad daylight while his family's in the exact same room as him. Like, how does that cross your mind? Just as a concept. I understand that LSD was big in the 70s and the 80s at the time, but seriously, what? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god. So, other segments. We have one where it's actually not something they see on TV. It's like in a Skype call with their friend, the trader salesman, who's actually a person who speaks English, which is nice. <laughs> they call up a dude who sells stuff. And then an Imperial officer dressed like Dark Helmet from Spaceballs walks in and forces him to give him a razor. <laughs> so funny. 
And it's like, some of these skits I get could have conceivably been a funny idea. Watching some alien with four arms doing a cooking show, okay, that's like kind of an interesting idea, but some of these are just, as a concept, so ridiculously unfunny. Like the scene you just mentioned, oh yeah, a traitor gets robbed by an Imperial officer, and that's it. Like, what? How, how is that funny? Another scene later on, it's like, fucking Lumpy is trying trying to figure out how to assemble his new transmitter. So he watches essentially a YouTube tutorial about how to build it and it shows every single second of that tutorial. Yeah, and the gag in it is that the guy giving the tutorials doing a bad robot impression, I guess it's not funny and no. It doesn't save it from being incredibly boring, but it's something. As a concept, most of these skits are just so terribly unentertaining. And their point was to entertain people. They're trying with this to capitalize on the success of Star Wars and capitalize on the success of Christmas. On, they're trying to capitalize on Christmas. But this does not at all feel like Christmas. It does not at all feel like Star Wars. I've seen YouTube short films independent short films that are exponentially better at creating the tone of Star Wars than this actual George Lucas production, you know? Let's talk about how much we should blame George Lucas for this, because he didn't write or direct it. He, like, came up with some concepts and then handed them to some people who were like, huh, this is boring. Let's make it a variety show that's really bad. But also... The idea to focus on Chewbacca's family without subtitles was his idea, mm -hmm. and I think that's a little bit of foreshadowing for some stuff he would do in the 90s and early 2000s, where he would have bad ideas and no one would tell him no. He was obviously in the middle of producing Empire Strikes Back at the time, so he couldn't spend too much time focusing on this, but still... They sent him dailies. Everything they filmed the day before, they would send it to him for his approval. And he said, sure. At a point after watching the movie, I looked up the budget of this because I, I thought they just gave it no money and just said, do whichever you want with it. No, this had a budget of $1 million, which adjusted for inflation is a little under $4 million. I can make a better Star Wars movie with no film experience with $4 million. Shit, you could give just a random kid two action figures and say, uh, we're just going to put the camera on for an hour and a half, tell a story with these and it would be better than this. They spent $4 million on that. How much of that went to just getting the actors back? I don't know. But still, they had millions of dollars to make this. And this is the shit they come up with? A guy pretending to be a glitching robot? Yeah. A guy pretending to be an alien in blackface with four arms making food? Like, wh what? <sighs> it's like frustrating how inconceivably bad this is. I'm, I'm telling you. You know, before I watched this, I had heard that two of the variety show segments were actually good. That was a fucking lie. They're all bad. Right. But let's talk about the two that people like. One of them is a scene taking place in Mos Eisley Cantina, you know, a place from the movie. It's not a wretched hive of scum and villainy, but it's something, and there's aliens. And B. Arthur is there, you know, from the Golden Girls. Because when I think of Star Wars, I think B. Arthur from the Golden Girls. 
I don't know about you, Casey, but that's what I think of. I think Star Wars would have been better if the Emperor was just played by Estelle Getty. I would have really liked to have seen Betty White as uh, Han Solo, as a matter of fact. <laughs> I, you know, we're joking, but I think Betty White could have pulled that off. Oh, I absolutely think she could have pulled that off. And <laughs> Anyway, the whole Mos Eisley scene is the Empire says, Hey, you can't have this cantina here. Close up. And then it's... Her closing up and singing as people leave. She is like the bartender of a cantina, obviously. Then in walks this guy with a volcano head, and he pours his drinks into that volcano. He starts hitting on her, and she obviously has nothing to do with it. And the entire thing is just this cringy rom-com about this volcano-headed dude getting absolutely rejected. <laughs> and then comes on this imperial message saying that they're issuing an early curfew so they need to sh shut down and go home and when no one will listen to her she starts singing this song good night but not goodbye and it's not the worst part of this yeah they like show, set it to the cantina theme which is actually kind of nice yeah. like at the end of the film they sing a song tied to the star wars theme that's not bad but it's just her singing Get out of my bar, or no, gotta do it in the Mose Eisley jizz. That is what the music genre is called, by the way. Canonically, the music that the dudes <laughs> in the cantina play is called jizz. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my bar, ha ha, get out of my bar now. Except slow down and with mushy lyrics. After they all leave, she's like, Ah, oh, great, my bar is finally closed. And then as she's walking to the bar, that creepy volcano-headed dude just pops out from behind the bar and hands her a rose. And then it just ends. Also, this is another thing that they watch on TV, which means either A, this is reality television, which seems to be the case because I actually looked it up and B. Arthur's character appears other places in the expanded universe and is actually kind of cool sounding. Either A, it's reality television, or B, in Star Wars universe, there's a musical sitcom set in Mos Eisley Cantina. I'd watch that. I'd watch that sooner than I'd watch this, but... Well, would you watch it if the whole time it just constantly cuts back to the ugliest little Wookiee watching it and... <laughs> Probably not. But the funny thing about that skit, too, is there was actually kind of a funny joke in the beginning. I thought they were setting it up almost like it's... Like it is a reality show. I thought it was going to be like a documentary about how shitty it is to live on Tatooine. Because that's kind of like what it is. It's like the quality of life on Tatooine is far worse than it is here. So be grateful for where you live. And it's like, that's a funny joke. Is it going to be like this very meta take on how shitty it is to live certain places on Zarbors? No. It becomes this weird musical sitcom shit. Also... It would make sense if the Wookiees were watching Imperial propaganda like a sort of Starship Troopers thing. But no, all the stuff they watch is really critical of the Empire. I think if I were doing something like this, that whole Starship Troopers propaganda thing, that's the first thing I would write. That's the first thing I would put into this. But no, we watch instructional videos of how to build a transmitter. We watch horrible cooking shows. 
it's just so frustratingly bad. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here, but good God, this entire thing was frustrating. Throughout the film, Mala and Ichi, they're like calling the other characters. They call Luke Skywalker and R2-D2 who are working on something that just starts on fire and they have to put it out. They call Princess Leia and C-3PO who are just sort of messing with a desktop computer, having the exact same conversation that they had with Luke. Like, oh, uh, ha put, put Chewbacca on the phone so I can understand what you're saying, even though he's using the exact same language that you're using. Uh, oh no, he's not there? Oh, he must be in trouble. I'm pretty sure we've talked about all but one of the segments, and we've... I don't know if you've been consciously doing this, but I've been trying to save it for last, because it's supposed to be the highlight. Light. Uh-huh. The cartoon, which... Right. By the way, just going on the fact that this television that they watch in this movie makes no sense in universe. There's a scene where Lumpy watches a cartoon about Chewbacca and Han Solo. Who made this cartoon? It's depicting events that happen like around the same time as this. So that's some South Park level of fast animation. It foreshadows stuff in The Empire Strikes Back, which is kind of cool, but I mean, not even really because we'll get into it. Lumpy, uh, while the troopers are tearing apart his room looking for intel on Chewbacca, his father, he goes into the dining room and puts on this animated short film about the adventures of the Rebellion because obviously the Empire would be broadcasting that throughout the galaxy, you know. Yeah, so people say this is the best part of the entire thing, and to a sad extent, it is true. Yeah, it has a plot to it. It's not a good plot, but it's better than blackface cooking, I guess. It opens up on the rebels in their station, wherever they are, and the Millennium Falcon is coming out of hyperspace, but it's going too fast, and they can tell something is wrong. They try to get in touch with Chewbacca, but all they see is him driving and Han Solo tied up upside down in the background. So Luke takes uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 to investigate what's going on. When the Millennium Falcon crash lands on this jello planet. Uh, so yeah, Luke flies down. When he gets out of the ship to try and search for the Millennium Falcon, him and his ship get attacked by this weird dragon monster that's animated like this weird cartoony. Like it just doesn't fit in. A, like it would fit in a Disney movie. Like Puff the Magic Dragon. That's not Disney. What's that movie with the dragon? and they rebooted it recently. I don't know and I don't care. But um, that's the thing about this short is the animation is not very good quality. Yeah, like later on in the short, they meet with Han Solo and he looks like he's had lava poured on his face. He looks like a melting horse. He's hideous. Luke Skywalker looks like he has been doing crystal meth and it's like just the animation quality is bad. So yeah, Luke is being attacked by this weird dragon and then out of nowhere Boba Fett his first canonical appearance in Star Wars Boba Fett shows up riding another dragon scares the other one away and offers to help Luke Skywalker look for Han and Chewie and they find him and when they do Chewbacca is in the midst of destroying this talisman that Han and Chewie were looking for for no reason given but Chewbacca destroys it and Luke immediately just collapses on the ground asleep because the talisman apparently has some enchantment on it that only affects humans, which implies that Boba Fett's not a human. 
even though he is. I mean, are clones really people? You have yes, a point, Casey. They are, like, they really genetically. Are. So it's this enchantment that only affects humans and makes them fall asleep. So now Luke and Han are asleep, and Chewbacca's way of handling it is tying them upside down to get all the blood to their head for them to wake up, but it's not working. I mean, he's a pilot, not a doctor. True. Boba Fett tells them that he knows of this new chemical that the Empire made that makes people go to sleep, and he knows the remedy to it. He takes Chewbacca into the city to get the remedy while R2-D2 and C-3P stay with Luke and Han and they go into the city Boba Fett dips out for a second and has a Skype call with Darth Vader surprise he's the villain yeah who could have seen that coming it's not like he was the most suspicious person ever like hello friend let's go find your other friends ignore the fact that I'm kinda suspicious. The only person to suspect him is C-3PO, and he and R2-D2 hack into, of all the presumable broadcasts in that city, they hack into the one that Boba Fett is conveniently on. They intercept his transmission to Darth Vader, where Darth Vader says, Good, you will lead us to the Rebels, and you're the greatest bounty hunter in the world. Darth Vader calls Boba Fett his right-hand man, which, first off, Okay, cool. Blatant exposition. Also, no, he isn't. Like, this was meant to set up Empire Strikes Back, but Boba Fett's not Darth Vader's right-hand man in that. He's a mercenary that is hired by him at the start of the film to track down Han. Boba Fett is able to get the remedy, and he goes back to Chewbacca. The two go back to the Millennium Falcon. They use the remedy on Luke and Han, to which it works, and they wake up, and Luke is telling him, like, God, you're... You're such a good friend. Do you want to come back to us, to the rebel base? And C-3PO tells him, no, we intercepted this message saying he's Darth Vader's right-hand man. And then Boba Fett just says, this isn't over, and flies away. That That's the end of it. What was the point of that? It, again, it's just like all the other skits. At least this one doesn't go on way too long. But this one does just end on an anticlimactic note, just like all the other skits do. I don't get why people like it. Maybe because it's got an actual story to it, but it's not a good story. Things just happen with no real connective tissue between them, and there's nothing interesting that happens. Right. I guess people like it because it's the first appearance of Boba Fett, but Boba Fett isn't even that cool in this. And no. Here's, should I do my Boba Fett now or save it when we do an actual Star Wars movie? Go ahead. I'll do it now. I don't like Boba Fett. Boba Fett's overrated. Like, what? Who gives a shit about Boba Fett? He does nothing cool in the movies. It took 40 years for the Mandalorian to have him do something cool in a widely popular Star Wars work. I, I, I'm pretty sure he does some cool stuff in the EU, but who cares? Everyone does cool stuff in the EU. He's a lame loser in the films. I don't get why people have attached onto him so strongly. Also, whose idea was it that Boba Fett was so cool that he is now the most important person in the Star Wars universe? So they're going to make a whole planet full of Boba Fetts and they're going to have a clone army that are clones of Boba Fett's dad, who is also Boba Fett. And also they're going to have a TV show 40 years later that's like Boba Fett if he was actually a well-written character. Like, I don't get Boba Fett. Why do people like him? What does he do? 
do that is cool. I don't even think he has any lines of dialogue in the original trilogy, does he? Like, one or two? Like, I'm gonna take Khan back to Jabba. Okay. Like... Stuff like that. I know he has some lines in, like, the more recent ones, but that was just because of the remaster that George Lucas did. Yeah. To make Boba Fett more of a, you know, a character. Yeah. Also, it bugs me that the Star Wars franchise is really, really inconsistent about whether or not Boba Fett has a New Zealand accent. Here's the other thing about this animated short. You can tell by this point, Harrison Ford was just done. He surprisingly does commit to the live action stuff. That said, he is horribly characterized. Like, at one point Han is like, you're all my family and I love you. And he has a, like, a, he's laughing and smiling and it's like, yeah, it's sweet. But Han Solo is not sweet. He's hard and badass. He's nicer to Chewbacca's family than any character in the original trilogy. He's nicer to them than he is to Leia. Exactly. And he had kids with her. But by this one, you can tell his voice acting for this just so monotone, doesn't give a shit. Harrison Ford, in general, hates talking about the good Star Wars movies. He doesn't care about the good Star Wars movies. He doesn't want to talk about them. You can imagine how pissed off he is just at the idea that this holiday special exists. In the plot, in finger quotes, that goes through this film, the Imperials show up at Chewbacca's house and search it, and then most of them go away. And then Chewbacca and Han show up, and they take out the one remaining stormtrooper who has the worst death. Han disarms him, and then the dude trips over his own gun and falls on a railing, and it just collapses, and he falls to his death and does a Wilhelm scream. The Empire receive a transmission to return to base, but one stormtrooper remains, and it's he goes upstairs and it's revealed that it was just Lumpy using his transmitter to fake this message to get the Empire out of his house. And the Stormtrooper chases the kid around. The kid runs outside and conveniently, Chewie and Han are there. The Stormtrooper points his gun at Chewbacca. Chewbacca is within arm's reach of the Stormtrooper. He could have attacked him. He could have disarmed him. He's a skilled fighter. But no, he just walks around the guy to grab his son to protect him. And it's like, you could have taken that guy, Chewie. But no, he distracts the trooper for when Han Solo sneaks up behind him, like you said, knocks the gun out of his hands, and then Han does this fake-out juke move, and the trooper, like you said, trips over his gun and just falls over the ledge and dies. Hey, by the way, that is some shoddy construction work, Chewbacca. Like, what if Lumpy had been leaning on that and fallen to his death? You need to fix that railing. I don't care that you have a galaxy to save. Be a good dad for once in your life. Yeah, and at one point in the beginning, of the film when Lumpy is taking the trash out he decides to walk on that ledge and it's shot in a terrible green screen by the way he's walking on top of it and then that scene just ends so it's like what was that supposed to be tension filled but no it was setting up this really shitty conflict resolution and it's god god that's just the only expression we can have towards this film god i know han picks up lumpy and hugs him and then puts him in chewbacca's arms runs inside to make sure they're all okay he gives mala itchy and lumpy a hug and said gives that line you're all my family and i love you and he says goodbye to chewbacca and a really really awkward goodbye hug before he leaves that traitor who at the beginning i thought was going to be the villain that would have been 
better. Because when Mala Skype called him, he was talking with that trooper who robbed him. When he's talking to Mala, this ominous music starts playing and you're like, oh, he's the villain. Okay, no, he's like actually a good friend <laughs> to every scene after he's that. He's fucking Chewbacca's wife. Oh, most definitely. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? The Empire send a message to the home calling for this one trooper and the traitor sends him this code and is like, yeah, this guy, he just, he stole some of my stuff and ran off. He deserted. And they were like, okay, sure. Let's not go back to the house to see a dead stormtrooper clearly lying at the base of the tree. Let's trust the word of this random dude. That gets the Empire off their ass. And then Han leaves. So Han says hi to all the family before Chewbacca does. It takes Chewbacca a long time to go hug his family. And when he does, it's this weird, overdrawn, like he's staring at them from across the room, slowly walks them, and they all group hug. It's just weird and creepy and overdrawn. The perfect description of this movie. Can we talk about this ending? We got into it a little bit earlier. But the end, the Chewbacca's, they don't have a last name. I don't know what to call them. The Wookiees. They put on red Snuggies. I think they're supposed to be robes, but they're they're Snuggies. And they hold up glowing orbs and it shows them in space walking into a big glowing orb. And then they appear at the bottom of a tree. Yeah, at this big tree temple. And also, the rest of the cast is there now. And Leia sings a song while Chewbacca flashes back to scenes from the first film. Apparently, Carrie Fisher, like, insisted that she sang at the ending of this. Like, that was her idea. And C-3PO gives this really weird monologue about how he's disheartened at the fact that he's a robot and can't feel human emotions. Since when, by the way, that dude, he definitely feels fear. Oh, yeah. And other emotions, but mostly fear. He's C-3PO. What do you mean you can't feel emotions? And then they sing, and like you said, Chewbacca has all these flashbacks to clips from the movie that last way too long, and then it fades to black, and I'm like, okay, finally, it's done. But no, then it fades into a dinner scene where they all start praying at the table for their meal, and I'm like, god damn, this hey, still isn't I, over? Can I confess something real quick? What? I stopped watching when it faded to black. There's more after yeah, there's just like another like minute or two. Okay. Of just that nothing happens. They're just sitting all around the table staring at each other and then they grab hands and start praying and that's when it ends. Okay. I guess we've talked about how it's boring and it's weird and Chewbacca's dad watches porn. Who wanted this? Yeah. Jokes aside, the big question I have is who wanted this? The first Star Wars movie, a lot of different people liked it for a lot of different reasons. Maybe you like the TIE fighter airplane dogfights. Maybe you like the cool sword fights, although there isn't really one in A New Hope. Maybe you like the fantasy sci-fi world building. Maybe you like the themes and the spiritualism of the Force. Maybe you like the characters, whatever. There are a lot of reasons people like Star Wars, and none of those things are in this movie. Like, there is nothing in this movie to appeal to people who enjoyed the first movie, aside from the fact that Mark Hamill shows up in one scene wearing a ton of makeup. You know, who wanted this? The studio, that's who. They just wanted to capitalize on the success of Star Wars and just milk as much money out of it as possible. If they really want to milk money out of it, they should have made something good as opposed to something that they'll air once in November and then destroy all 
copies with the sledgehammer. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. It doesn't feel like Christmas. It's not for anybody. It's not even for fan of people of, who are fans of movies. Like, it's just horrible from every possible way. The directing is bad. The writing is bad. The production design. The costumes. It's just not good. It's not funny. It's creepy. It's weird. It just... <sighs> I don't know. They just, they tried to make a fun Star Wars adventure, but they failed miserably at every possible angle. Like, every decision they made was the worst possible one. And I would like to mention the fact that a year after this movie came out, Harrison Ford did Apocalypse Now. He did this straight-to-TV piece of garbage, and then a year later did this Oscar-winning, monumental accomplishment in cinema. Well, I mean, obviously... Does Harrison Ford have any military experience? I don't think so. Obviously, working on this film helped him get into the underlying sense of horror and despair that he needed to make Apocalypse Now. <sighs> I don't know, man. Like I said, the directing, writing, production design, the costumes, it's all bad. The Wookiees are gross looking. They sound horrible. It's just, it's not, it's just skit after skit. And it's not funny, it's not entertaining, and it's not even so bad it's good. It's just bad and boring. And it just baffles me the fact that George Lucas was like, yeah, this. Admittedly, he regrets it now, but still, fuck. You know what's the worst part? What's that? When I was originally, like, mapping out the schedule for the next, like, two months, I may have miscounted days, and I'm like... Uh, we gotta do the Star Wars Holiday Special episode, uh, what, whatever one this is. I think it's, uh, 19. Episode 19 is going to come out on December 25th. We need to have a Christmas thing. Yeah. Riley, I may have miscounted days. Okay. This is coming out after Christmas. We didn't have to do this. Oh, boy. <laughs> this was all for nothing. We suffered pointlessly. <laughs> oh, God. I don't blame you, Casey. But what the fuck? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, shit. Okay, that's fine. At least we're watching it. And we can never be forced to watch it again. Right, and none of you have to watch it. Just watch Don't. this. Don't, like, not even as a joke. Don't watch it. Like, haha, I watched the bad thing. It's not so bad, it's good. It's just boring. Right. And I think that's the worst thing a film can be, is dull. At least shit like Birdemic and The Room is hilariously bad. This is just dull. No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. Like, for almost 20 years, people just bitched and moaned about how much they hated the prequels. Now, people are bitching and moaning about how much they hate the sequels, particularly The Last Jedi. Obviously, we're not going to get into it right now, but it's like people talk about, like, ugh. The Last Jedi is the worst Star Wars movie. Me, personally, I think Attack of the Clones is the worst Star Wars movie. And then I watched shit like this, and oh my god. If you're someone who genuinely, like, despises The Last Jedi or Attack of the Clones or anything, like, 
I would encourage you to watch this, but then again, I don't want anyone to watch this ever. So just this is what really, really bad Star Wars looks like. God, this movie made me appreciate 1990s Captain America. That's how bad yeah. this was. I'm like, right. surely we'll never watch something worse than that. But no, no, that one looks amazing now. Like at least that one's not cringy bad, you know? At least I'm not begging for it to end. At least it's boring, but like I don't hate my life watching it. This, I fucking hated every second of watching this. It's laughably horrible. Quantifiably, if you were to give a numeric value to how much you hate this, what would that be? I'm going to give it the same grade I gave Captain America. I'm, I'm going to give it a 1 out of 10. Just because you can't go any lower? No, I could go lower. I could go lower. But the fact is, talking about how bad it is, just ranting and venting... <sighs> I don't know, it's kind of cathartic. Fair enough. For that reason, I'm not going to give it a zero. You know, actually watching this movie, it kind of reminds me of The Clone Wars. Yeah? Because it's between a two and a three. But I'm... This is the worst thing we've watched on this show, and I fear the day when we watch something worse than this. I, for one, can't wait until we review the Star Wars Ewok specials. Oh god, those exist! Right. No, those can't be as bad as this. I guess we'll just have to wait and see. That's not a plug for next week. We'll we'll get to those eventually, but I would like to say before uh, we start closing out, I have seen this before I have seen Solo. Take that what you will. I actually kind of really dislike... Well, I don't really dislike it. I think it's just kind of okay. Do not compare Solo to this. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not comparing. It's not it. I'm even just saying. close to the same level of mediocrity. Right. I know. I'm not comparing it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, stating the fact that I have watched this before Solo. I'll get to Solo eventually. Yeah. I don't know. But um, yeah. Fuck, that was the Star Wars Holiday Special. The worst rated movie we've watched so far. Hopefully it stays that way for a while. Riley, where can they find you? You can all find me on YouTube at Riley Thorpe, where you can check out all of my projects and short films. Please subscribe and check out some of my videos. You can also find me on Instagram and TikTok at Riley James Thorpe. Please check that out. I give a lot of content regularly onto those. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Jarms Casey, J-A-R-M-E-S. C-A-S-E-Y. I post links to some of my short stories there in case you're interested. We'll be back next week, assuming we don't trip over our own guns and fall to our deaths. Uh, Actually, next week's going to be an interesting one. We're going to be watching the movie Zardoz. Riley, can you tell them everything you know about the movie Zardoz? I know a young Sean Connery wears a very, very, very revealing Speedo. Anything else? Nope. What about the plot? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Going into this, I know it's called Zardoz. I know it's a weird sci-fi cult classic. I've seen the main character. We know nothing. A lot of times we can have our judgment clouded by the films we watch on the show and their reputations. But that can't happen if you have no clue what you're about to watch. Oh, yeah. Maybe it'll be good. Maybe it'll be bad. Who knows? But till then, I'm Casey Jarms. And I'm Riley Thorpe. And hey, it's just a movie. A really, really bad movie. Just the worst movie. But it's still just a movie. It's not a big deal. Don't put your head over it. Especially not to a ladder.